There was an owl outside of my bedroom window. Uh, have you ever had an owl right outside the window? Uh-uh. No, I it haven't. It is loud. Oh, my God. I thought it was like, I thought the an, there was an animal inside the room. Oh it was like right outside the window, and it was like, whoo, 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 whoo. It's like, good God. <laughs> Well, it's no wonder as many times as the owl in the house is hooting all the time. You're calling them here. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm attracting owls. Oh my God. <laughs> 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 he 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 he. I don't know why I um. <laughs> 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 Welcome to the Boiled Owl Coffee Club Podcast, the meeting after the meeting where we talk about our experience living sober. We don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. This is only our experience. We have no monopoly on sobriety. If you don't like our approach, that's okay. There's lots of ways to live and lots of ways to live sober. This works for us. I'm Don. Hey, Don. Hey, Sam. Sound a little down. I'm kind of having a shitty day. Why the long face? Well, other than the uh, being a half horse, I mean, it's... <laughs> now, it's my seventh anniversary today since the uh, the restart, and, uh, and ego still takes a hit during this time. Started yesterday evening and has carried on through the day, and, and it's just one of those things of... It's not as bad as it was, but it is not yet a celebratory day. Um, An anniversary ought to be, I mean, you've been sober for seven years and then you have all this time before where you've been in recovery and it's like, it really is a miracle and you should be celebrating it. Why does it bring you down? Well, and I I get all that. I get all that intellectually. I get all that with my my head and my heart, but it's the ego Um, and that ego still is there and I can't make it not be there. And so there is. Is the, it that you don't want to be in recovery? The ego? No, or? no, it's the it's the pride. It's the like, no, I'm 15 years away from a oh, drink. I got you. I'm not yeah. seven years. See, uh, and so it it kind of gets you know it and it has changed over time. Mm-hmm. But it's still one of those things that um, you know the events that led up to this day. They play through my head. As it should be. Uh, as it should be. That's really prior. a good thing about anniversary. Yeah. And it's one of those things that, you know, I know for a fact that if I had not started over, I would probably be drunk high or dead today. Hmm. Um, but it's still that thing of... Loss of the, the time. That, it, it's, it's, it's like you've lo- gotten cut back. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it? it's a weird thing. I don't feel like I'm seven years sober. I feel like I'm 15 years sober. Well, and you are. But you don't lose all that you learned. It's you true. Know, if you go back out, no, and and that's why I feel fifteen years sober is that I've got all this experience in recovery. But what it what it comes down to again, it's pride. I know it's pride. I know yeah. it's ego. I know it's still that thing of you know hating sobriety countdowns. Not as much as I did, but still, yeah. you know, because I should be standing up with the fifteen year people, not the seven year people. Things like that. But again, it's bullshit. I know it's bullshit. Yeah. But it the knowing that it's bullshit doesn't make it go away. And so what I suspect is one of the things that 
you know, I've learned in these rooms and you've learned in these rooms, and I'm sure our guest has learned in these rooms, is that uh, when we're full of self-centeredness, self-pity, self-doubt, and all that shit, work with another alcoholic. So I'm going to sit here and have a conversation with y'all, and I bet I'm going to feel pretty good a little bit later. Well, I hope so. But if not, I'm going to sit here with a scowl on my face the whole time. You scowl, and I'll celebrate your anniversary. Fine. (laughs) I'll celebrate with owls. I want that owl to be wearing a party hat. (laughs) It's it's wearing a party hat. AA's filled with uh, irony. We we surrender to win, Mm -hmm. and we stay sober one day at a time, but we keep count. I've never understood that that particular one. It's like And then there's those stinking Alanons. They relapse all over themselves and they never change their date. Uh, this is resentment. We're, <laughs> we're gonna have to dig into that later because we gotta introduce our guest. She's sitting over here. Introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Jody and I'm an alcoholic. Hey Jody, Jody. glad you joined us. Thanks. Jody, when did you get sober? Uh, my sobriety date is May first, two thousand and four. It's, did you restart in AA? Um, kind of. Um, I was not so serious about getting sober and um, kind of checking out meetings in my area and seeing what they were like. And, um, you know, I remember leaving a meeting. I, I can't, I'm sure I didn't have more than a few days at that point and picking up a six pack and driving to the beach and drinking it. And then there just came a surrender, you know, where it was like I didn't look back. I was done. Well, why did you do that? I mean, why did you come to AA? Were you just uh, putting your toe in the water? or what? Um, Well, my sister's an alcoholic, and she used to take me to AA meetings when I was a teenager oh. um, to expose me, I guess, to her solution. She probably knew before I did that I was an alcoholic. Were and, you an alcoholic then when she was taking you? I'm sure I was. I mean, Were you drinking? Yes. Yeah, I was definitely drinking. I would leave the AA meetings and take that information to the cake parties that I would go to and let them know, you know, I have a solution for you. It's called AA. It's Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, you're, you're helping others. <laughs> you were I was already, you know, already trying to 12-step people. Didn't even know it. <laughs> That's a future drug counselor who doesn't have a history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I'll nice. bet you were a big hit at those parties. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, most of the people I talked to about AA were already half passed out, you know, head in the toilet kind of thing. So they probably don't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe a seed was planted. Maybe. Maybe. You if, never know. If I knew anybody that was in AA or, uh, talked at all about recovery it was like mm, i don't want to talk to you get me away from you yeah 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 it, i mean i definitely i saw what it did for my sister and it definitely was able to kind of keep her sober and get her yeah. get her shit together um so i kind of knew that there there was something there you know something in AA. yeah so you went as a teenager but that wasn't because you wanted to go when did uh, when did you go back to AA? Um, I was 21 when I went back to AA. Okay. And I kind of tried, you know, all the stuff that we talk about in AA to feel better, to feel different. And, you know, I changed boyfriends. I changed friends. I went back to school. I moved and nothing worked, you know. 
So I was, it was just me. Yeah. You but kept finding yourself. No matter where you and, go, there you are. And yeah. the alcohol. Yeah. Was it alcohol or was it alcohol and drugs? Um, it was mostly alcohol and a lot of pot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you get sober in the Greensboro area or somewhere else? No, I got sober in Norfolk, Virginia. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And is that where you first went to AA meetings too? So uh, well, my sister lived in the D.C. area, so that's where she took me to AA meetings. Okay. Big AA meetings. She took me to the ECPAW one year. Oh, yeah. And I was I was still drinking, but she was like, let me take you to this young people's conference. And I was like, I was so blown away. I was like, there's no way all these people are sober. Yeah. This is a Especially joke. that young. Those yeah. YPAW conferences yeah. are a trip. I was like, this is insane. <laughs> well, it's bizarre. It's, when, when I got sober, we started going out dancing. We started contra dancing, like square dancing. So all those people there, it'd be 60 people there in this little house dancing, and then they'd take breaks and go outside, and I'd go outside and look around saying, <laughs> okay, where's your There's bottle? There's a stink yeah. eye on Don's face right now, too. Somebody, <laughs> some, these people have got to be drinking. Nobody was drinking. They didn't give a flying flip about drinking. Yeah. And it was like, what? And they weren't alcoholics. They weren't as... They just didn't drink to have fun. I mean, that some people can have fun without having alcohol or drugs Completely. in their system. So, so I really get going to that and going, How, what is it? I don't know if all these people are like really sober. Yeah. <laughs> Where I are they it. hiding it? Yeah, exactly. I went to my first YPAW conference, um, full-fledged YPAW, uh, full attendance at a YPAW conference last year. I had been on a panel at one a couple of years before, but it had only been there for that part of the day. Mm-hmm. So at Cirquipa, uh, Southeast Regional Conference of Young People in AA. Yeah. Wow, I got it all out. Uh, in Charlotte last year, that was a trip. Yeah. Spending a, a, a long weekend with people mostly half my age because yeah. I'm an old fart. <laughs> and um, and it was so cool to see the not only the passion but the knowledge and then the, the practice of this program that, uh, that YP had. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Jody, what was going on with you that made you want to go to AA? Um, well, so I had tried pretty much everything else to make myself feel different and um, kind of started toying with the idea of getting sober and had had, you know, put together a week or two weeks here and there. So you knew that drinking was a problem? I, yeah, I started because, you know, I got rid of the boyfriend. I moved, you know, from from DC down to Virginia beach, Norfolk area. And like, I was still miserable. Um, and you know, nothing, I never had any real consequences from drinking other than the spiritual and mental anguish. Um, so, you know, I decided to try out AA and, um, which that can be a really dark place. It, it was, it really was, you know, I remember going, you know, the first week, two weeks, 30 days of sobriety and just feeling like I wanted to rip my hair out, you know, crawling out of my skin. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, I think that was an indication to me that like, you know, I thought I was kind of crazy. Like I, I was really hoping alcohol wasn't the problem. Mm, um, I, wanted, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Right. I wanted Anything a straight jacket, that. like a padded room, something like that. You know, a vacation was what I was looking for. And, and, you know, that was an indication to me that I was an alcoholic, the way I reacted when I didn't have any alcohol or drugs in my body. 
So, you know, I was just insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you couldn't do anything. You could, nothing worked, so you went to AA. Yeah. Yeah, and there was uh, this one kind of relapse where, you know, I decided to get sober, and I went to a house party with my friends, and I was going to show them how much fun it was to be sober, and I was sitting at a table like this in the dining room watching everyone else have fun, and I was oh, yeah. miserable. And I remember saying, you know, about 11 o'clock, like, okay, give me a drink. Just give me a drink. And Mm -hmm. I took a couple of shots of Jack Daniels and drank a beer and I felt nothing, nothing, no relief, not even a little bit. And I was like, okay, this, this is done. Wow. Mm -hmm. I wonder why. No idea. Maybe, maybe it was God. Uh Uh-huh. So did you have a problem with God coming in to hearing about God? Uh, yes, I definitely did. And um, there was one guy in particular in my home group who would, um, you know, Jesus Christ was his savior. And it just made my skin crawl anytime he shared about that in an AA meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just God too. You know, I really struggled with not necessarily like, well, God's punishing me or... You know, he doesn't want anything to do with me. I just, I just never thought about him really, you know, unless I was really wasted and we would talk about like how the universe started, you know, yeah, those long nights. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some of those. <laughs> I mean, it was, I, we were smart. We were you real can smart. figure it out. Yeah. You can figure it and out. You can't remember it the next day, no, but <laughs> no, absolutely not. And even if you take notes, you can't decipher them. No, no. They're like pictures and maps and I don't know. So I, I really struggled with the God idea. And, and I remember my first sponsor saying to me, you know, when we got to the second and third step, do you believe that I believe? And like, you know, one of the things that attracted me to her was that she was always smiling. She, you know, she knew everyone. She would talk to people. She would laugh and joke. And um, I mean, something yeah. was, was at work there, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I could believe that she believed classic line yeah that's a, my sponsor said the same thing to me yeah. yeah yeah i had to believe that he believed well and it comes around too that uh you know thankfully you you chose a sponsor uh who had something attractive who mm-hmm. had something that you wanted mm-hmm. and that i assume happened with you mm-hmm. as well don mm-hmm. and so that takes us to that place where all right this has worked for you i'm willing to give it a try because i do want what you've got yeah absolutely mm-hmm. So what's, what about working the steps? What was that like for you? What's, what was one or two of the steps that really changed your thinking? I think in the beginning, I thought that like, I'm going to really rock these steps. I'm going to do them once and then I'm going to be done. You know, that was my impression of AA and that's, has not been my experience, but you know, for me, you know, I worked the steps in the first six months of sobriety and I did the best that I could. Um, you know, I did, I tried to do a thorough job with the inventory and all that, but I switched sponsors at about a year and a half and she took me through the big book and I had a completely different experience with the steps doing that. You so know, you did them twice. Yeah, yeah. Like within pretty close together. Yeah, I, you did, know? I did too. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that was good because, you know, I mean, I didn't realize how cloudy my mind was because of alcohol. You know, there was thing. I mean, there's still things that I'm remembering, you know, that I did when I was drinking. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, is this ever going to end? 
but you know, doing the the fourth and fifth step with her, I had I really saw and felt like the damage I had done, you know, in my life, in my drinking, and even into sobriety, still behaving the way that I was when I was drinking. You know, I just wasn't drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really began to see the damage um, that I that I had done, and so I think four and five, and then eight and nine. You know, a lot of people talk about having a spiritual experience with the third step. For me, it was eight and nine, you know, really, you know, going to my family and admitting my wrongs and um, really feeling, you know, that damage, you know, mm-hmm. seeing seeing the fear and the anger and the sadness in their faces and, and realizing that, like, you know, it's not enough to say, I'm sorry, I have to change my behavior if I'm going to stay sober. Absolutely. We were uh, just in the uh, the men's meeting yesterday and a statement that I've heard in the rooms for many, many years was made. And, and that is, you know, when you sober up a horse thief, what are you left with? A horse thief. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, it same thing. You know, yeah. I was an asshole as a drunk <laughs> in early sobriety and still sometimes today uh, I'm an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Sober up a horse thief. You've got a sober horse thief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless something changes. So well, eight and nine were uh, were really, a, so you said they were, a, they were a spiritual experience for yeah. you. Yeah. How is that a spiritual experience, seeing the damage that you did? And that sounds painful rather than spiritual. It was extremely painful and uncomfortable. And because I'd never, I really came into AA thinking I was a, this good person. You know, I had great motives. You know, I was kind and loving and generous. And, you know, I mean, I would do whatever, you know, I thought needed to be done. Uh-huh. But, you know, doing four and five and starting to see kind of, you know, the causes and conditions and starting to understand my behavior and how it affected those around me. I had never done that before. I was the tornado. Well, and it's, while it was in my head, you know, it was something that I would like be able to squash sometimes, or it would drive me nuts and I'd drink or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when I wrote it down, when it was in my face in black and white, there's no denying it. Yeah. And then when we get to that eight and nine part where we're actually communicating with someone that we've harmed, Mm -hmm. um, even more powerful that can be in my Yoda moment. Um, (laughs) um, So I kind of get where you're going with that. Yeah. What happened with me in making amends was spiritual, was seeing that that if I don't live this way anymore, I don't want, like you said, I don't want to be that person anymore. This was bad behavior. And to make amends for it and then... I'm not going to live this way anymore. And to be free of that mm, thing in the back of my mind the whole time that, oh, really, Don, you're the type of person who does this. I hurt people. Mm -hmm. And I would have that in the back of my mind and try not to think about it. Mm -hmm. That's what I was like. This AA thing is going to stir up all the mud at the bottom of the lake. Well, and it does. I don't think it's no. a good idea. And of course, it it's exactly it does. <laughs> and it's a great idea because then it clears the water. Mm-hmm. And and after making amends, then I have the opportunity not to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And when I do do that, I also have the tools to clean it up as I go. And then repeating the steps 
doing another fourth and fifth step, eight and nine as needed, mm-hmm. um, I get to catch those things that I didn't catch as I was going. So that I'm, I'm not holding on to them, and they're not like in the back of my mind kind of telling me that I am a living turd, which is what the problem <laughs> is, is to constantly walk around feeling like, you know, I would walk down a street in town where there used to be a bookstore where I stole a book. And every time I walk down that street, I would go, you stole that book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, oh, no, no, I'm not going to think about that. But it's right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of things like that. Somebody I'd see, it's like, oh, that guy. Yeah, uh, that, that was my experience in, in doing that ninth step the first go-round. And this was something, or is something, that I share freely with folks in early recovery, too, because for me, it was really powerful. And that was after having done just a handful of amends mm-hmm. and being ready to do the others, yeah. I was able to look anyone in the eye. Yeah. I was not ducking people. I wasn't hoping I didn't run into somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it, it was that thing of I could look anyone in the eye or walk past any former storefront. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Actually, when the time came for me to make amends, unbelievably that this place had been closed for 10 years and it still had a bunch of books in there. It was a used bookstore and it came time for me to make amends and that store opened up (laughs) just long enough for you to make amends. It was a guy in there who, who knew the original owner Uh and said he always wanted to run a used bookstore. And the guy said, okay, well you can do it. And they had the books in there. So he opened up, and he was like doing business, and I went in and said, you know, I was in here, and I I took a book, and I didn't pay for it, and I want to give you $25 I gave him for it. He said, you don't have to do that. When was that? I was going, no, no, I have to do it. And uh, he said, well, uh, okay. And then I was was walking out, I was going, you know, it might have been $15. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you had that pause because as you were walking out, I was thinking you took another book on the way. No, out. I don't. Oh, hell no. <laughs> but um, I told my sponsor that, and he was going, "Don, interest. Yeah, you had to pay interest on that fifty. And but the freedom of that to then not have that every time I walk by there, you know, Jody, what's a what's an amend you made that uh, if you if you don't mind sharing that was pivotal. And if you do mind sharing, just make a good one up. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I was, uh, you know, I'm a princess. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, not really. Well, you're not dressed like a princess. Well, she's, she's a, a Randy Carlisle. Nah, she's a badass princess. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I think probably my dad, when I was pretty new in sobriety, I um, sent him a letter and I told him that I was sober. And he's an alcoholic, too. And I got a card back and he said, I'm glad you quit smoking pot. That stuff can really mess with your future. But he didn't mention alcohol at all. And so when I got to the amends part, you know, my sponsor said, you need to call him and try to make an appointment to make amends to him in person. And um, I called him and he didn't answer. And I left a message and he never called me back. And so... I called a couple more times and he never returned my calls. And, you know, I took that back to my sponsor and I was like, I guess I don't have to make amends to him since he's not returning my calls anymore. And she said, nope, that's, 
that's not acceptable. You're going to start writing him a letter once a month just to let him know, you know, where you are, what's going on. Don't mention anything about AA or being sober. Just tell him how you're doing. And so I started to do that and I did that for about nine months. And, um, you know, periodically I would try to call him again and, you know, he wouldn't answer and I'd leave a message. And, and then one year, um, you know, I, after doing that for about nine months, I got a, a birthday card in the mail from him, mm-hmm. you know, still no return call, but I got a birthday card. Wow. Yeah. And then, um, and you weren't getting, no, no mm-hmm. response. I hadn't gotten a birthday card from him in years. And then I got a Valentine's day card, mm. <laughs> you know, all the while I'm still writing the letter, still trying to call him. And then I called him on his birthday that year and his girlfriend picked up. And she said, hold on, I'm going to get him. And I can hear her in the background screaming, Neil, Neil. Because <laughs> I'm sure she was determined, you know, to, <laughs> to make him answer my damn call. And um, and so I talked to him and, um, you know, I, I wished him a happy birthday. And he was like, he kind of acted like nothing had happened. You know, like no time had passed, nothing. He asked me when I was going to come visit again. You know, I said, well, I have some time in September, you know, I'll come out there. And I showed up and we met for lunch. And as almost as soon as I sat down, he, something came out of his mouth about my sister, some really shitty comment. And I was like, I had to go to the bathroom and pray. And I was like, I can't make these amends. I fucking hate him. <laughs> and so, you know, I spent a couple of days with him and I went back home and then I planned another trip out a couple months later. I, I made amends to him while he was driving. So I don't know, I I don't know that I would recommend that for everyone, but I figured it was the best way to keep him in place Mm -hmm. if he's driving. And, um, yeah, if he's he's, real smart. Yeah. Yeah. It's also like driving's a a great place to, you can be close to each other, but you don't have to look at each other. Yes. So like a little, (laughs) that's a good observation, a little safe safe way to i've heard talking with teenagers it works that works well good to know i'm almost almost have a teenager and so he's like a man of very few words he doesn't like to talk about emotions or past or anything so i made my amends i told him you know that i'd been a, a bad daughter i'd been selfish and inconsiderate you know i'd taken money from you and kind of listed out all the things that I'd done and I, and I asked him if there was anything I could do to make it right. And he thought about it for a minute and he said, when you come out here to visit me, I want to take you fishing. I want to take you hiking, biking. I want to do all that stuff with you because you don't get a chance to do that while you're at home. So when you come visit, that's what I want to do. And, and that was, that's it. Wow. wow. That's really good. He yeah. wanted to give you a gift. Yes. And I was like, what? What? That, that, I mean, okay. <laughs> I'll accept <laughs> it. Yeah. Well, That's probably... a really powerful story, though. The, the whole the arc of that. I yeah. mean, the, the, the time of no communication and then getting to the point where I want to spend time with you in a way that gives you something that you don't get to have when you're at home. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what what do you think about the fact that uh, you know there's aspects of that relationship that you said that he was bad mouthing your sister, which it making amends doesn't mean that you have to accept that mm-hmm. behavior. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things about my dad that um, I don't particularly care for, um, but for me, 
you know, and, and I go back and forth with this because a lot of times there have been times, you know, in the past 15 years where the relationship has really been one-sided where I'm making the effort and sometimes I'm okay with that. And sometimes I'm not, you know, and I've had many conversations with my sponsor about it and, um, you know, done multiple inventories about it. And, and that's just kind of where I'm at with it. You know, that doesn't mean I don't, I still visit him on occasion, um, but I, I've struggled at times with his alcoholism and, and the way that it has progressed. It's hard to watch. I'm sure it is. You know, my experience with amends, uh, in, in some instances, it repaired relationships in such a way that they were able to continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in others, you know, I made amends with people that I did not want to continue mm-hmm. a relationship with. They Amazing. don't have what I want in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for the time we had together. Um, the party days were awesome, but we're not going to be hanging out. This mm-hmm. is not let's rekindle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they and it wasn't taken that way. Yeah, I think it's really healthy for us to be able, and again, with the guidance of a sponsor, to make these amends, but also have boundaries in place for ourselves that while they can be protective, uh, they can also simply eliminate some bullshit in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's protective, I guess too, but I mean, there's degrees of protection, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. With parents, uh, your amends reminded me of my amends to my mother where I went, said, we'll have lunch together. I'm going to take you to lunch. And we went to a pizza place. She loved to get pizza because my dad did not like pizza at all. So we did that. And, you know, I came prepared because one thing that I did with her was uh, she was good for $150 anytime and, uh, <laughs> and never pay her back. Yes. Never. And frequently it was like a, she's good for a touch, you know. So I had a check for $150 and I said, I want to pay you back. For that, because I've been, well, we talked, I talked about alcoholism. I talked about what it was, how I'm an alcoholic. Why? Because for her, she couldn't even say the word alcoholic. She said, alcoholic. Oh, you're an alcoholic. It's like cancer. (laughs) Yeah, right. It was like really shameful. (laughs) And, but at the end of half an hour or so talking about it, she was, she started telling me about all the people in relatives in my family that I did not know about that were alcoholics, mm. that, you know, every, the family kept it quiet, kept it secret. So she opened up about it all, and we were talking about all these things, and I told her about the money, and I was going to pay her back, and I had the check, and she said, I don't want that check. What I want is this, uh, being together and talking and mm-hmm. it was it was beautiful, mm-hmm. and uh, I said, "Well, I'll do that." And so from that time on, every month I had lunch with her. Mm-hmm. From then on, and I hadn't done that at all. I stayed away f- from my family unless <laughs> there was uh, a holiday that I had to be there. Other than that, I didn't show up. I never showed up. I wasn't there. So I was there for her for oh, wow. It was like. 12 years, she lived about 12, 15 years. And I was there for that, after that. And what happened, what I was making the amends was just being present Mm -hmm. where I was not present before. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that's similar to what you were really doing was like, okay, well, I'm just going to write a letter 
and and be part, you know, be available, and, it, and it's up to the other person whether to the level that they want to participate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of times that I would call my sponsor and be like, I don't want to write another letter. He's probably not even reading them. He's probably throwing them away. And she said, nope, that's not an option. You got to keep going. Tough sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> she, was, she was a badass. Is that the way you sponsor now? Um, I mean, I think I sponsor, it depends on the person, you know. I kind of gauge how, how they respond, you know, what kind of interactions they respond to. How long have you been sober? I missed that at the beginning. Um, it's fourteen years. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So, do you have sponsees? Yeah, I have a couple right now. Um, one that's about two and a half years sober, and then one that's just six months sober. Cool. So, yeah, yeah. I love working with the newcomers because it just it make it keeps it fresh for me. Mm-hmm. You know, the insanity of drinking and early sobriety and. I don't want to go through that again. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. You know, I, I got to say um, that comment takes me right back because this is all about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad you agree. Yeah. Uh, so on the restart, you know, something that it took me a year <laughs> to get clear on. And I was sitting in a coffee shop before a meeting and it was about a year later. And that was when I realized I didn't have to go through nearly the crap that I did when I first stopped drinking. As mm. I did on that restart. I mean, the the, re, the restart was, there was no mess to clean up. Yeah. It was just getting honest mm-hmm. and, and owning that I had done some things that made it so that I could not tell people with integrity that I was sober. Yeah. And so to appreciate working with a newcomer and getting a taste of the chaos mm-hmm. and the shame and the, the misery that we, most of us walk into these rooms with, mm-hmm. uh, is absolutely a gift of sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, so you, so you did, you had all that sobriety. You had the fact that you had worked the steps. You had the fact that your life was not in complete chaos. And what you didn't have was, a, a someplace perhaps where you wanted to get away from your feelings and turn to to something else to escape your feelings. So this this little bit of willingness there. Yeah, it wasn't even a, a get away from my feelings thing. No. My, my restart was over diet pills and poppers, and y'all can Google that shit. <laughs> it was not an attempt to escape. It was a mistake. You know, the diet pills were done with pure noble cause of I'm starting an exercise regimen and a diet, and I'm going to do these diet pills too to jumpstart it. Mm-hmm. And... I did them and I got two months worth and they worked really well. So I got another two months worth and they worked really well. And then I continued doing them and then I would stop doing them and then I would get them again. And as my time using them for two and a half years progressed, I also stopped exercising as much and stopped eating Mm -hmm. good food and taking more diet pills or stronger diet pills. Why? Because I wanted the body the slim body without the work. Mm. Oh, it gave you like a diet suppression? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was all about being thin. It was all about losing weight, being thin, but it was one of those things of the reason. And this is why I won't push anybody else who's doing diet pills or poppers. Uh, you know, the reason that I started over because of these things is because when I stopped, I said that I'm stopping and then I start again. Mm. 
I couldn't stay stopped. Oh, you couldn't stop. And so I needed to <laughs> surrender to that mm-hmm. and get honest and get some help. And so mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. But enough about me. <laughs> what do you think about me? <laughs> no, no. But uh, but so back to the sponsorship thing. You know th- that that business of working with someone new is just incredibly important for all of us. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, some people don't sponsor, and and that's fine. And, you know, some people find that their way of giving back to uh, to AA is through general service or you know making the coffee at their meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, but if sponsorship is in your toolkit. Uh, those of us who do it, we know the value of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, that sponsor that took me through the big book, the, the first thing she said to me was, you have to be willing to work with other people. She did not give me an option. She said, I will not take you through the big book if you're not willing to do that with someone else. And I was like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I first worked the steps with my first sponsor, um, I didn't work those to learn how mm-hmm. to take yeah. somebody through the yeah. program. And so, I mean, I, I worked those to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. And so when I sponsored my first person, which uh, was, you know, I had a, had a two or three people show up in, in those first <laughs> years that were like not really sponsees. They were like, okay, yeah, will you be my sponsor? And I never saw them again or I saw them once, maybe twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at four years is when the first one came along that stuck. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I have no idea how to sponsor. <laughs> and so I bought a manual from Hazelden. It's called 12-Step Sponsorship that mm. is a guidebook to go through the big book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it worked really well. I'm going with through it with another sponsee right now. Because one of the things that I heard in a talk a while ago that I absolutely love, and this is how my sponsor is sponsoring me right now as well, mm-hmm. and that is... I'm teaching you how to sponsor. Mm, this is how right. I sponsor. Yeah. And, and it, it, it kind of throws me sometimes when I'm sitting there reading the big book with my sponsor. And he says, and then I'll tell them this. And then I'll tell them that. And it feels like I'm being taught and trained rather than sponsored. Mm. But I'm getting the whole shebang. Yeah. But it's just, it's an interesting thing to be, he's not directly telling me these things. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Well, that's what the my home group is a the way out group and it's a really originally started as a you know really intense big book study and fred who was one of the guys who started that often said the reason that we do this is so that we to teach us to be better sponsors Mm -hmm. so that you can by going through the big book with somebody else that's the way to sponsor because i tried not doing it that way before i I didn't know how to do it. I didn't mm-hmm. know how to be a sponsor. And I was really like going, yeah, this guy's got some big problems. I don't know how to solve. What am I? What I felt like I'm a therapist and I'm like, I'm not trained. I don't know what to do as a, as a therapist. Don't drink well, and go to meetings. Well, so, but that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. And if I'm reading in the, in the book with someone else and we're going over the steps, then it becomes clear whether well, you, you do these steps, and that's the way you deal with your problems. I mean, all my problems were insurmountable, and they were unique to me, but by working the steps on them, everything cleared up. Yeah. It mm-hmm. seemed impossible. You mean we get right spiritually and then emotionally and, and mentally and physically even? And all the problems kind of that are insurmountable. Becomes in, it becomes clear what to do in problems. I mean, I have, I, it's incredible the clarity that can come mm. 
Absolutely. And what well, you to know, do. It, where before it was like, oh my God, just like, I, <laughs> I, I, there's no way out of this. I am fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Don, so at, at the, the men's meeting yesterday, you you brought up the uh, the topic, which was basically how have uh, old timers smacked you upside the head in meetings over the years. Um, yeah. And uh, but but one of the things that um, kind of sticks out for me was sitting there listening to that and thinking over the years is not necessarily that this had been said to me by some old timer, but it was the things that I've heard in the rooms, mm-hmm. the cliches, the the phrases that, that we have that I don't hear so much anymore. One of them was brought up in the meeting, and it's it takes time, and time takes time. Oh, well, uh, uh, <laughs> I hate that one. You don't like that. It's my one. least favorite. But you know, <laughs> one that just hit me right now, listening to you, and it was that I can't think myself into good living. I have to live myself into good thinking, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what this is all about. That's is right. that you know, if I work this program and do these steps, stuff changes. Mm. I change the way I'm living, and the way. I feel, and therefore the way that I do more stuff changes. Yeah. Why don't you like time takes time? Because she's an impatient alcoholic. Exactly. See? The, <laughs> this motherfucker, excuse me, said he, I had this guy in my home group and he had more time than me. And he, like anytime I would bring a problem to him, he would say, time takes time. And I'd be like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I don't, what, what? I don't yeah. understand, you yeah. know, and he but would what say, am I gonna do? yeah, like, can you give me instructions? He would say too, they're not doing anything to you. They're just doing what they do. Mm-hmm. And I was like that, like he said it enough that I began to believe it, you know, that it, and, and it really cut down on my resentments for sure. So yeah, time takes time. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I could really stand to take the, uh, they're not doing it to me. They're just doing what they do, particularly drivers. Yes. <laughs> I, I thought one day at a time was the most inane thing <laughs> that I had ever heard. And <laughs> it was like, how vacuous. Okay, one day at a time. It was like, every day in every way. I am getting better and better. <laughs> and gosh darn it, people like me. Yeah. Gosh darn it, people like me. And I was like, I just I can't stand this. But, you know, time takes time. And over time, I began to see that one day at a time, it's like this, it's the whole spiritual principle of mm-hmm. staying in the moment, in the present moment. I'm not living in the past. I'm not living in the future. I'm staying right now right here. This is the only place I can be effective. I can't do anything in the past. Mm -hmm. I can't do anything in the future. Yeah. And pretty consistently, when I look at right now, I'm okay right now Mm -hmm. and right now and right now. It's always right here. It's actually a a gigantic spiritual principle, but Mm -hmm. you know, I thought maybe it should be needlepoint. (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs) well the newcomer there's a lot of hurdles when you first come in with all these sayings and Mm. everything but the reason these I like somebody said the other day at the meeting the reason these cliches that we have are cliches is because there's a principle behind them that is so true that it never wears out Mm mm-hmm 
you might get tired of hearing it, but it's yeah. still true. It's <laughs> yeah, it's it's true one way or yeah. the other. It might make you call someone a motherfucker. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's still true. Mm-hmm. Give the stink eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's time for our question for the old timer. Are you taking my lines again? Mm-hmm. No. It's time for our old timers question. That's different than what I said, (laughs) Sam. (laughs) Who you calling an old timer? Don't smack me again. I'll smack you right back. (laughs) You, you old fart. That's what happens if you don't drink and you don't die. Well, no matter how long you've been sober, it's still one day at a time. Shiny, shiny. <laughs> you can post a question for us on boiledowlaa.org. We have a question from Georgie in Arkansas. Mm. All right. Georgie asks, how do you make this work without believing in God? Woo! That's a good question. That's a good I'll question. I'll say, I certainly didn't believe in God when I came into AA. No. That's right, cow brains. I thought everyone who believed in God was a was a cow brain following the pack, <laughs> and I uh, I couldn't didn't want anything to do with it. But it became how do I work this without believing in God is a real trick. The, I guess maybe the way to, that I would put it is you don't need to believe in God, but you got to believe that there's a power greater than yourself, and trust that that power can keep you sober, and then then you've got it. That's what, I mean, if you do that, you'll find that that works. AA trusts that anyone who surrenders to the idea that there is a power greater than myself and I ask for help, I will get it. And it has happened to me so much and so many times that I completely accept that there's a power greater than myself. There's some force that's outside of myself that is a something I can ask for help and get help from. I, my sponsor, I would want to argue with him about it and say, yeah, but you know, like this idea of prayer, you're making things happen. He said, God doesn't change others. God changes me. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and that has happened to me. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think it works for me to pray for others, but it does work for me to pray and ask for myself, how can I... One acronym that I really like that's for God is good orderly direction. When my mind is spinning out of control like a hamster wheel that's come unhinged from the axle and is <laughs> and the hamster's still running on it and it's like running all over the pier and there's fish out of water jumping all over the place and the hamster wheel is still going. We need artwork for this. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm talking about a real mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a mess up there, I'll tell you. And I can ask my higher power for help, direct my thinking. And some of my obsessive thinking, I've broken the the pattern by doing that. There was one day that I was like certain that my life was over, my wife was going to leave me, that we were going to have to get a divorce. I didn't know what I was going to do with my son. How am I going to do that? And oh my God, what about driving? And that's like, it's like the whole world was coming down on me. And my sponsor was going to ask God to direct your thinking. I said, I did a prayer this morning. He said, mm. we'll do it again. 
do it now. And then if you're still obsessed with this, do it again. And of course, I had catastrophized this whole thing in my mind, and none of that came to pass. None of it was true. But after saying a prayer, asking God to relieve this fear, and I did it, and I did it again, did it again. I found myself at, oh, it's been 15 minutes I hadn't thought about it. And I was going, oh, it worked. So it's something that is uh, real that we can access. I, what I had to do was redefine God. There was all these associations and that are cultural, and then I grew up in my family, which where we went to church and all of that, are all these things of what I don't believe God is. And... I had to unattach the word mm -hmm. God. What I did was I unattached the word God from that and I reattached it to this thing that's real that has happened to me that helps me stay sober and that I can ask for help and get it. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, that is now God. It doesn't. I don't have to use the word God. I can use anything I want to use for that because that power doesn't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me what other people think about what my relationship with my higher power is because I know that it's something real that exists and it's something that I do. And, it's, and, and my life is immeasurably better. So I wouldn't get all hung up about the word God. Just use something else. But I don't think you can stay sober if you are not willing to ask a power greater than yourself for help. You don't even have to believe in it to ask for help. You just have to do it and see if it works. You'll find that it does work. It's the experience of AA that it does work. At least it's the experience of the people here that have stayed that it does work. That's a big question. Man, I've barely scratched the surface on that thing, but I'm quitting. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> time. Jody? How do you make this work without believing in God? Um, so my experience has been pretty similar to Don's. Like I, I know, you know, through a, various events in sobriety without a shadow of doubt that there is a higher power out there, you know, um, for me and it's personal to me and it's, it's saved my life really and my sobriety and my serenity and all that. But I have sponsored all kinds of people. I've sponsored atheists. I've sponsored Catholics. I've sponsored agnostics and people who believe in mother nature and not God, you know, and like Don said, like, it doesn't matter what you call it. You've got to believe in something. And when I was sponsoring the atheist, you know, the thing that I would tell her over and over again is that like, you don't have to believe that it works. You just have to do it. You know, mm. um, the program is about spiritual actions. And, um, if you're willing to do that, you'll probably stay sober, you know, and, and I, I don't understand it and I don't have to understand it. You know, luckily, like I, you know, my, my relationship with God is mine. How do you do it without understanding it? I, you just do it, you know? And I used to argue with my sponsor in the beginning, like, how how does this work? Like, I need to know the ins and outs of all of this. You know, like, I, I had to understand it. And and she said, I'm sure, she, you know, she said, God damn it, Jody, just do it. You know, like... <laughs> 
I, I was annoying in early recovery. You know, I really wanted to know everything I could. All of those questions I realized were fighting. Mm-hmm. I was still fighting. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and an attempt to understand something, to define it, is an attempt to control it, too. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's heavy. I like it, yeah. All right, mic yeah. drop. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, li- we live in a box of space and time. <gasps> oh, God. <laughs> that's a repeat. <laughs> Um, so, you know, Don, so you mentioned, uh, um, good orderly direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one of these that I like is group of drunks, mm-hmm. um, G-O-D group of drunks. And you also mentioned, um, having to, uh, choosing to redefine the word God. And when you said that a thing popped in my head and it was that I had to undefine God mm-hmm. because that's where I am now is not knowing what it is. And I don't have a need today to define what it is. Mm -hmm. I just know that what I'm doing works and I identify as an atheist. Mm -hmm. I don't have a conception of some higher power being that's like whatever. And if you do, that's fantastic. It doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. Um, What I know is that I hit my knees in the morning and I say a prayer and I pray throughout the day. And I tried to align my life with doing what feels right. And the cool thing is, is that what feels right has changed since I gave my will in my life to the care of God. Now, I hated that. (laughs) And I loved it when I heard someone say my will in my life, my thinking and my actions. Mm -hmm. That I could get. And so my thinking and my actions, I have turned over to the care of a group of drunks who proved to me early on that what they were doing was working for them. And ultimately, what I forgot that led me to starting over and what I got when I started over was I need to do this someone else's way. Mm. And invariably, God shows up in other people for me. Mm -hmm. And that's what works today. That's Mm -hmm. what works. It's hard to have to get, do it someone else's way. Mm. Yeah. But I proved to myself my way didn't work Mm -mm. many times. Jody. Jinx. Again. Oh my God. Thanks for joining us. This has been fantastic. It's glad to get to know you. Thank you guys. (laughs) <laughs> Stand clear. Keep your eye on this owl. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. The Boiled Owl podcast is posted on the 1st and 15th of every month. Visit us at boiledowlaa.org or email giveahoot at boiledowlaa.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org. Please note, Boiled Owl AA is produced by members of AA and only expresses our experience and opinions. It is not endorsed by AA World Services. silence are you trying to like get room sound room levels is that what it's called ambient noise level
Don, why are you looking at me like that? I'm happy now. Do you want to ruin this? It always happens, doesn't it, Sam? (laughs) Once you're in a a meeting, all of a sudden you get out of yourself and you feel a lot better. I'm sure I can get back to where I was. (laughs) I'm sure you can, but you don't want to, do you? Not really. 